now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza. Good Sunday evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the College Basketball Bonanza. I'm Nicholas Hodell. Dominic Stern, as always, is joining me. And we're getting very, very close to the start of the college basketball season. Now, this is actually our final week of our seven-week preview series we've been doing here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio. And, I mean, we pretty soon we'll have actual games to talk about, which is very, very exciting. Well, Nick, I'm not a math major or anything or sports journalism majors here, but I'm pretty sure we'll have college basketball uh, I can count the amount of days on my hands. Yes. The amount of days. So, yes. Uh, like I said, I'm not good at math, but I think we can do that. Yes, I know we can because next Tuesday, we're nine days away. Uh, it's going to be fun. Tuesday's good. You and I were talking about it before the show. Wednesday and Thursday are not, but yes. uh, that doesn't really matter because any college basketball is better than none. It's another sport to come around. Uh, by that time, baseball will be over, which is obviously unfortunate for me because I'm also a baseball fan. But it's not like last year where we had to wait until like mid-December for college basketball to get started. It starts early November, yes, like it should be, and I can't wait. Yes, and we have, we'll have a lot more to talk about in future episodes of this program. For now, though, we're going to talk about the near-major conferences, the Atlantic 10, Mountain West, West Coast Conference, and the American Athletic Conference. But before we get into any sort of conference previews for this season... The topic of realignment does come up within our top story of the program. And a few weeks ago, the American Athletic Conference made its response to say, well, this program is getting poached over from the Big 12. And it's UAB, Florida Atlantic, UNC Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, and UTSA all joining the American from Conference USA. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time sort of analyzing what the American has done uh, since pretty much everything was in their court. When it came to realignment, it's, look, I think we both can agree that it was on them that would really dictate the rest of how this realignment shapes out. So based, based on really what the Americans had to really go through, how do you think they did? They did okay. And, you know, losing those power programs like Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, it's going to be impossible to, like, recalibrate the success of those programs, especially at the college basketball level. You know, Houston, they've been so good. They just made a Final Four. UCF, we talked about this months ago. More of a football school, but they did make it to the tournament a couple years ago. We were able to get a win and put that exclusive Duke team uh, to the test where they just had to make one layup to win that game. They didn't. And then Cincinnati, we've seen them be a top seed. Uh, their head coach is now on. Uh, he's going to be the head coach of the number two team in the preseason poll, uh, Mick Cronin at UCLA. So Cincinnati, also a really good basketball program. Those are tough losses. FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB, not on those levels at all. But, you know, bringing in six when you lose three, you're going to be providing more, and it's going to be more eyes, but it's not going to be uh, the national eyes. You're going to be bringing in more fan bases, which is something, but it's definitely not. It's an overall loss for the American. I mean, there's no other really way around this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anytime you're... And this will and this will all officially take place years down the road, mm-hmm. uh, but... I mean, you lose programs like Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. It's going to hurt from a football and a basketball perspective. I mean, from a basketball perspective, I think the American's going to be in decent shape. I mean, we've seen North Texas in recent years become a really solid program, and I think they will provide a lot to this conference from a basketball perspective. 
The others, I cannot say the same thing about. And actually, I have a big issue with what the American is doing, and it's that I think they will become the second incarceration of Conference USA. Mm -hmm. In that, yeah, I'm sure you remember the last major go-around. I don't. With the <laughs> alignment nine years ago, uh, when pretty much Nebraska went off to the Big Ten, and everyone was just like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Uh, this is back when College USA was considering merging with the Mountain West, and they were doing all those talks. And Conference USA... And they added schools like Charlotte and Louisiana Tech and Florida International, North Texas, UTSA. They added all of those schools in May of 2012. And this was the quote that the Commissary's Commissioner at the time, Brennan Banowski, said. He said this, quote, We are excited about adding these new members as part of our bold strategy that focuses on growing institutions and large media markets. I'm not going to buy with the rest for now. We'll get to that later on. This is what the American Athletic Conference Commissioner, uh, Mike Oresco, said with the 2021 move of bringing in schools like Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, to the American. And this is the, and this is the third sentence what he said, quote, We are adding excellent institutions that are established in major cities and have invested in competing at the highest level. Forget the second part. The first part is literally an exact replica of what Conference USA did. You know where that strategy is getting Conference USA now? Near extinction. If the American is not careful in the 10 or so years going on down the line, there's no way that Conference is going to survive. They're going to have to find a different strategy. This is the same strategy that got Conference USA to a point of now being nearly extinct. And you're going to try to tell me that that's the best thing you got in mind? Seriously? And I'll just say this in the large media markets, when the age is streaming... No one cares. Right. Literally no one cares. Yeah. And it's hard to say like, oh, the people of Boca Raton are going to care about Florida. You know the who, people who live in Boca Raton are besides the people who go to FAU? They're retired grandmas. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. And then also Charlotte. Like, you know, who cares? They, they care about the Panthers. They yeah. care about the Dallas market for North Texas. They don't care. So? Houston for Rice. So? Yeah, no. I, UTS, UTSA and San Antonio? So? They don't care. They care about Spurs. They care about the Spurs. Yes. So, you know, you, you, you can take that strategy to try and get more eyes locally, but it's not going to work. Yeah. So. I mean, and back in 2012, man, streaming wasn't a big part of our lives. This strategy made sense. Now it makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sort of sense at all when you have streaming. And when you have... You know, all these different competitors that are taking away eyeballs from, from your stuff. And now you expect us to, in 2020, expect this is, this is going to be a really good thing for you going on? It's unbelievable to me. It really is. Um, and then there's another part of this I wanted to mention. Um, this is a sentence from um, Banowski in 2012 from Conference USA. We also remain committed to divisional scheduling models that are student-athlete and fan-friendly. The more we analyze it, the more it makes sense. And quote, and the 2021 quote from Michael Resco, um, this sentence, in this particular sentence, goes like this. We have enhanced geographical concentration, which will especially help the conferences, men's and women's basketball and Olympic sports teams. Pretty much the same exact thing. Two completely different ways to go about it. Same thing of, you're doing the same thing as what College USA did, and in my opinion, that is not going to end well. Coming up in the Bonanza, we've talked a little bit about what the American is doing to sustain themselves for the future, but what does this season hold for the American Athletic Conference? We'll tell you next on the College Basketball Bonanza right here on Blaze Radio.
And welcome back to the College Basketball Answer right here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. Live from the Boston Radio Studio, I'm Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Stern, as always, is joining me. And now we're going to get to the point where we start covering a bunch of conferences for the next 50 minutes or so. And we'll start with the American Athletic Conference. Uh, and we got two teams here that are going to take up most of the conversation this year in the American. Houston, which will soon depart. And Memphis, who will be in the American as of right now for the long term. God knows what's going to happen in the future, but for now... Houston and Memphis seem to be the two teams that are going to really compete this year in the American. Let's start out with Memphis, actually, because there's a couple of very intriguing freshmen that are going to have a lot of eyes on them from scouts and really the entire college basketball world at this point. Yeah, you're talking about Imani Bates, uh, six foot nine. He can play the two, can play the three, can play the four. He was the number one recruit in next year's class, previously committed to Michigan State, but he reclassified. He's now attending Memphis. He's going to be a stud. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the best uh, prospects we've seen in a very long time, you know, on the levels of R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson coming in last year. Jalen Green, those guys. Imani Bates has been in that discussion as being one of those guys. He's uh, He can handle the ball. He can also play down low. It's really dangerous. He can space you out. And it's those type of players that really help create those really good teams. And I think that he's going to be fantastic. The other guy... Six foot ten forward Jalen Duran is probably going to play the five for them. Uh, just a really talented center for them. Super athletic, and I think Memphis is going to be fun after disappointing the last two years. You know, and part of that was because James Wiseman he uh, he ended up sitting out because the NCAA are mean uh, <laughs> and they don't care about their players. But it also would have been interesting to see if James Harden, uh, James Harden, if James Wiseman was playing college basketball for this season if that would have happened, but I mean, I assume that he still would have been suspended, but uh, I, I think this Memphis team is going to be really good. I think they're going to be uh, ranked throughout the year. I think they're going to be uh, one of the top seeds heading into the NCAA tournament. I actually think Memphis uh, is going to win the American this year. Yeah, and, and I think Memphis has a lot of great things going for them uh, in this particular year. If Memphis is going to reach their potential, they're going to have to limit their turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, within Penny Hardaway's tenure, 308th, 338th, 262nd. That's been their ranks in turnover rate nationally within his three years Oof. at Memphis. And the non-steal turnover percentage last year ranked 343rd nationally. A bigger wolf. Uh, so I mean, there's, they got a lot of turnover issues they got to really work through. And if those issues persist, they're not going to win the American. No. But, but, if, but if they can fix that, I think they'll be in a very good position to at the very least, meet expectations. Because now for Penny Hardaway, and this is a very crucial year for him too, you're bringing in all this talent. If you can't do anything within the American, what 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 good is it at this point? Uh, I almost say the expectations for the Memphis program should be to win uh, the American Athletic Conference title. But the team they're going to compete with for that, principally, is Houston. And they got a lot of really good pieces here. Uh, uh, several good returners. Texas Tech transfer Kyler Edwards, and it's just a really sound team from what I have here. Yeah, we got to talk about the players that they did lose, though. Quentin Grimes, he was their best player last year. He's gone. Dejan Giroux is one of their best defenders. He's gone, as well as Justin Gorman and Brashawn Gresham. They weren't as good as Grimes and Giroux, but these guys, they come up through this Houston program. They play great defense. They rebound the ball extremely well. That's what they do. Like you mentioned, Kyler Edwards, he's probably going to be their point guard, six foot four. He averaged 10 points per game along with five rebounds per game and three assists per game last year at Tech. So taking a step back, playing in the American, I think you're going to see him put up some better numbers here uh, at Houston. Also, Marcus Sasser, 
He's their best returning player at 13.5 points per game last year. Very good shooting guard for them. And the rest of the guys are going to be bench role players that are going to be stepping up from the starting lineup. Tremond Mark, 6'5", sophomore. As a freshman, he averaged 8 points per game. So very, very high expectations for him coming out of Houston. And then Fabian White Jr., he's a redshirt senior. Uh, he's 6'8", forward. He's going to He's bringing back six points per game along with four rebounds per game on last year's team. And their center is senior Reggie Chaney. Uh, he's only six foot eight, so you're not looking at a very big team here for Houston, but uh, they're going to be able to get the job done. Yeah, this is certainly a team that has the talent uh, to get the job done yet again. And it's really a testament to what Coach Kevin Sampson has done over the course of his time at Houston. I mean, 111 and 24 in the last four years, 57 and 14 in league play. And he's helped get all kinds of financial investment into this Houston program. Uh, and it's, it's really impressive what Houston basketball is doing. I think that's actually part of the reason why they got the college to the Big 12. You mm -hmm. know, you could say, oh, you went for football. But I think the Big 12 really prioritized basketball as well. And Houston's moves, what Kelvin Sampson has done, he should probably end up getting a statue for the overall Houston athletic department because he has done, he really has reinvigorated this entire program to the point where they can be a power conference uh, program. Right. Um, just, they were playing in April last year for a reason. Yeah, just really impressive stuff over with that Houston program. A lot of the other programs, though, are kind of within a tier below of them. Wichita State, Cincinnati, SMU, kind of three different examples that come up uh, with, these, with other programs that are really going to be trying to get at Memphis and Houston but may not get there. Uh, which of those three teams do you see finishing in third place? I think it's probably going to be Wichita State. I think they have the second-best player in this conference in Tyson Etienne. He averaged 16 points per game last year as a sophomore. He's got that full experience. He's now had a full, like, real off-season to work. You know, last year's off-season was you know, weird because of COVID. Uh, but he's bringing back 16 points per game. Uh, obviously, the way that their season ended was very tough. Uh, I recall they lost to Drake in the uh, in the first four game. I'm going to confirm that real quick because I don't want to be spitting lies here on the college basketball bonanza. That is exactly what happened. They lost by one. They only put up 52 points, so really bad performance there. But uh, ETN, I think, is going to be a leader for this Wichita State team, and he's going to be really good. Uh, I, I do think they finish in third, and that's where they're projected to be. But uh, Ken Palm, uh, when you look at the American Athletic Conference, you know his, his preseason rankings, he's Wichita State 62nd in adjusted efficiency, UCF in fourth of the conference in 61, and then SMU at third in the conference at 60th. So he thinks it's going to be a three-horse race for that third-place finish behind Houston and Memphis. Yeah, it's very tight. I mean, put a blanket over all those teams, and you'll really find yourself in an interesting spot. I mean, don't discount the abilities of Kendrick Davis at SMU either. Oh, yeah. uh, I think pretty much a lot, uh, pretty much everyone is expecting a player of the year caliber performance uh, from, this, from him this season, and it's very reasonable that he will be able to really get that thing. And three-man Weiss preview called him probably the closest thing to a Steve Nash analog in college battles right now, quote-unquote, mm. uh, there. So I mean, he read the entire country in assist rate, uh, played uh, just all, all, all on the court pretty much a lot of the times. And if SMU can make that push, Kendrick Davis could end up with some All-American lists uh, when, when it's all said and done as well. He is that type of player. Returns 19 points per game of production, just under 8 assists per game of production. So clearly he's got the numbers down. He will have a lot of transfers that he's going to have to really go through as well. Texas Southern transfer, Michael Weathers. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, and Sam Houston State uh, transfers Sack Newtall within the backcourt. Uh, but but, and, and, but that, that really isn't 
all of them as well. Just plenty of seniors and redshirt seniors up and down the SMU roster, and that is going to be a big yeah. thing. And one thing I like about the SMU roster, because you look at Kendrick Davis in the 19 points per game, but also the 7.6 assists per game, and you look at the guys like Weathers, Newtall, and uh, other Marcus Weathers from uh, Duquesne, they're all taking step-ups in conference, but they scored at those conferences. So maybe Davis is going to have to do a nice job of making it easy on them to score because they know that they can score. Davis just needs to put them in better opportunities too, and I think he absolutely will. I think SMU's going to be a good team. Yeah, and, and that, that's a team that can 100% be capable of an NCAA tournament appearance. So, 100%. Yeah, that's going to be a, a fun situation. You, know, you got your two teams that will probably make the NCAA tournament for sure. Which other team will get up into that conversation will be very, very fun. So, the American looking very strong to be a multi-big conference, but out west, there's a near-major conference that will be in the same boat as well. We'll tell you more about that coming up next on the College Basketball Anthem right here on Blaze Radio. And welcome back to the College Basketball Anthem right here on Blaze Radio on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Stern with you live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio in downtown Phoenix. And so the American we talked about earlier, very, very soon, there'll be a multi-big conference. But there's a lot of intrigue also in the West Coast Conference, and that starts with the best team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, yet again, with a embarrassing riches of talent. Yeah, they're going to be returning, who a lot of people think can definitely win. National Player of the Year, Drew Timmy. He averaged 19 points per game last year as a sophomore. He's going to be a junior this year. This is one of the more fundamentally sound big men that we've ever seen. Didn't have a good game against Baylor in the National Championship game, and that is huge part of the reason why they got absolutely crushed but there's no reason to believe that he's not going to respond this year and he's going to be a stud uh, Andrew Nemhart is their other really good returner he was their point guard last year uh, he didn't have to score at all because they had so many other good scores uh, such as Jalen Suggs Corey Kispert Joel Ajayi as well but Nemhart, he's not going to want to have to be one of their better scorers as well transfer Versier Bolton from Iowa State you know, playing in the Big 12, he averaged 15 points per game, 5 rebounds per game, and 4 assists per game. Now he's going to be playing in the West Coast Conference. By all means, a much worse conference. Uh, there are some good teams that we'll talk about, but Bolton, you could see him be another dominant scorer for the Bulldogs. Also, they have the number one overall recruit in the country, which is not something that Mark Few has ever been able to boast. Uh, Chet Holgram, seven foot one forward slash center slash point guard slash point god. He is unbelievable. Some of his film is just crazy to watch. Talk about another guy who is one of the top prospects in basketball that we've ever seen. He's going to be a stud. It's uh, it's unfair that he gets to go to Gonzaga and play against the West Coast Conference, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Gonzaga, they're going to be super good. Yeah, and Gonzaga's going to be one of those teams that we are consistently talking about throughout the year, especially in the early part of the year, because they have all kinds of fantastic games uh, in their non-conference schedule starting Saturday, number 13th against Texas. Uh, and the rest of the games, obviously we have Texas, UCLA's in the non-con schedule, Duke, Alabama, Washington, Texas Tech, and a bunch of other easier games sprinkled in within there. Is there a chance that Gonzaga go, is unbeaten going into the West Coast Conference season? I'm going to say no. I don't think they do, but I don't think there's a problem. I also am not sure they're going to be undefeated in the West Coast Conference this year. As good as they're going to be and as likely as they're going to be a number one seed, I think they probably lose two to three times this year just because uh, the West Coast Conference is really good, so they probably get tripped up once. And they're playing a really good non-conference schedule because Mark Few realizes that, hey, there's a reason that I haven't been able to get the national championship you know, brought back to Spokane despite this talented roster that wins throughout the regular season, and it's because his, non his team's just not ready to go into the NCAA tournament. Playing these good teams 
uh, on two on one day rest, you know, playing good teams back to back instead of playing, you know, BYU and then turning around and you're facing Pacific. Like I mean, Pacific's going to be good this year, but uh, Pepperdine or San Diego or Portland, Portland, Portland's a much better example. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, Portland, we still love you though. <laughs> yeah, Portland's a cool city, not a good basketball school. Uh, so. When you look at it, he needs to have that really good non-conference schedule just so his players have that experience because I I, I said they weren't going to win the national championship last year, and then once some of the other teams started to fall, I'm like, okay, maybe they might win it this year. But uh, because they didn't play five consecutive tournament teams until the NCAA tournament, and that's something that they're trying to get, but it's really hard to create that. Uh, but I think they might have that chance based on the West Coast Conference. Yeah, and the West Coast Conference has so many other quality teams. One of them is BYU, led by redshirt senior guard Alex Barcelo, which we personally know that Triple Threat loves Alex Barcelo, or at least a guy named Harris Hicks. Yes. What do you think about Alex Barcelo? He's a really good player. I mean, you don't average 16 points per game to go along with five rebounds and four assists per game for no reason, and he, he's good. Uh, I'm not a BYU fan by any stretch of the imagination as I am an Aztecs fan, but BYU is a very good basketball program. Mark Pope, doing a great job of this program and what they've been able to do is bring in big men and they, they play well uh redshirt senior richard harward he's gonna have to step up this year he averaged six points per game along with four rebounds per game last year so he's gonna have to definitely step up to go along with barcelo and Tajon lucas he averaged 15 points per game at milwaukee he's gonna come in they're not returning a lot of players from this gonzaga team they were key contributors to last year's team but they were a good team last year uh, a lot of they had Gonzaga on the ropes in the West Coast Conference Championship game. Uh, ended up losing to them as the game went on, but uh, BYU is going to be good. I, I don't think they're going to win the West Coast Conference. So. No. Yeah, and it's and BYU's got a very good ceiling. Um, Three-man we described their ceiling as being top 15. Yeah. And that they're definitely a team that will probably end up being ranked at some point throughout the year. I think that that expectation is absolutely reasonable. Uh, but they're really going to really determine their own fate because it's not just Gonzaga and BYU. I mean, typically St. Mary's has been Gonzaga's biggest rival before BYU ever entered the West Coast Conference. And St. Mary's kind of took a step back last season. But it seems like they're back in the fold as being a legitimate contender within this conference for second place. Yeah, and St. Mary's, they're going to be good. BYU is going to be good. San Francisco is going to be really good. I, I mean, I, there's so many teams that can make the tournament out of the West Coast Conference this year. It's crazy because, like you mentioned, it's normally Gonzaga and then BYU and St. Mary's. But St. Mary's, they're going to be very good this year. Looking at their roster returning from last year, uh, they've got Tommy Kush, a six foot two redshirt senior. He averaged 13 points per game along with five assists per game. He's going to control the game for them. Logan Johnson averaged 13 points per game. Matthias Tass, their six foot ten center, he averaged 11 points per game along with five rebounds per game. Uh, every single guy that they're returning, uh, it's going to be in the starting lineup, averaged eight points per game. That's a good recipe for coming back and being a good team, especially uh, in these near majors. Yeah, and, and for the St. Mary squad, I mean, 6A junior Kyle Bowen returns nearly six rebounds per game in production. Mm -hmm. uh, sophomore uh, Mimet Blackler returns five and a half points per game in production, and they'll probably be in those role, role situations once again. A lot of returning production with that St. Mary's team. You mentioned San Francisco earlier. Um, I'll let you describe a lot of the, the players of the San Francisco squad a little bit later, but I look at this team. Redshirt senior, redshirt senior, senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, junior, junior, redshirt junior, junior, junior. It seems like this year will probably end up being San Francisco's last big shot at it. And it's just because of the, of the, the redshirt seniors they have are exceptionally good. That 
or they come from situations in which they're in a pretty good spot or pretty good head coaches. Um, in particular, Duke plans for Patrick Tate, but didn't get a chance to play a lot with Duke, but now going to a spot where he will definitely be a factor. He was recruited by Duke for a reason. It's because yeah. he's a good college basketball player. And Bill Russell University, as uh, some people call it. No one calls it that, but I'm going to start that. <laughs> uh, the Dons, they're actually second in Ken Palm's uh, preseason rankings for the West Coast Conference at 34th in adjusted efficiency margin at uh, plus 17, which is... 14 below Gonzaga, 31 and a half. So uh, it, it shows you what Ken Palm thinks of this conference. But their star player, Jamari Boye, he averaged 17 points per game last year along with three rebounds and three assists per game. He's their point guard. He's their best player. He's going to be running the team. Yeah, Patrick Tape, 6'10 forward, That he's going to be their X factor because, you know, didn't play a lot of Duke, only averaged one point per game, one rebound per game. But he's not at Duke anymore. He's at San Francisco. He's going to be playing a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Gabe Stefani uh, at Columbia in 1819. He's taken some time off. Averaged 14 points per game along with five rebounds per game. So the this team is going to be really interesting. And also Khalil Shabazz averaged 15 points per game for them last year. I think the Dons can be really good. Yeah, and it seems like the West, the West Coast Conference can definitely be up in that three-bit territory, you know. Which would be nuts. Yeah, I mean, for for all the noise that people made about a possible three-bit valley, a three-bit West Coast Conference is like a legitimate option uh, in 21-22. Coming up in the college basketball nights, I know you've been waiting for it. I know Doth waiting for it. Yes. He'll get his chance to talk about San Diego State yes. and the rest of the Mountain West. That's coming up next here on the College Basketball Anthem right here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. And welcome back to the College Basketball Anthem right here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Turner alongside me live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio. And yes, I think everyone's been waiting for it for the last seven weeks. But you've talked about San Diego State and name-dropping it. We finally get a chance to talk about the Mountain West and those good old San Diego State Aztecs. Yes, I do. Uh, I'm I'm super excited. I actually get to attend my first uh, Aztecs basketball game this year. It's crazy that I haven't been to one, but it's so hard to get tickets at Viejas because it's not a big arena. But this team, they, they, it's kind of compromising what uh, the new college basketball wave is, bringing in some good transfers from around the nation, uh, building players up through your program. And that, that's what this team is. Matt Bradley, transfer from Cal. He averaged 18 points per game last year, dropping from the Pac-12 to the Mountain West. I think he's got potential to be the Mountain West Player of the Year. There's going to be some stiff competition with him. Obviously, we'll talk about some of those players, but uh, averaging 18 points per game in the Pac-12, it's for Cal. They sucked, but uh, you don't do that for no reason. Trey Pulliam, he's the point guard for this team. He averaged seven points per game, uh, three rebounds per game, and three and a half assists per game last year. But towards the end of the year, uh, not against Syracuse. Not definitely not against Syracuse. He started to really gain confidence in himself, and he started to become like more of a scorer. And that 7.3 points per game is a little deceiving because towards the end of the year, it was a lot of double digits. It was 10, it was 12, it was 11. It was stuff like that, and that gave a lot of confidence. Adam Seiko, starting shooting guard, he's a 3 and D guy. A really good on-ball defender, definitely the best on-ball defender for this team. And then Nathan Mensah, he's the center for this team at six foot ten. He averaged 8 points per game, 6 rebounds per game. Sometimes he can play a little soft. You know, he's, he's not a wide guy. He's very tall. But what Nathan Mensah does is he guards every single player on the floor because the Aztecs, they switch on every single screen. That's what they do. They make you earn everything. And they can only do that because Nathan Mensah can guard players 1 through 5. He's the Aztecs' most important player because he can also score. He just needs to not get soft so often. Uh, also transfer Chad Baker Mazzara from Duquesne. He averaged nine points per game last year. And then Lamont Butler and Kashaw Johnson are two young guys that 
The team expects to step up. Lamont Butler started to play a lot last year after Matt Mitchell went down later in the season. And Kashad Johnson gets a lot of NBA comps because he's super athletic. Has yet to really find his footing at SESU, but a lot of people believe this could be his year because he's going to get a lot of minutes. The only thing I'm going to add to that, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, 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 senior. And I know the San Diego State program is probably going to you know, reload a little bit to get themselves back in the Mountain West conversation. So maybe it's not as dire of a year to really succeed as it is for San Francisco in the West Coast Conference. But you look at that experience, you just look, oh boy, they got it going for them because experience wins championships in college basketball. As much as you like to have all the different skills of different players, you better have the experience to be able to win yourself a conference regular season and a conference tournament championship. And San Diego State has that in abundance. But of course, Colorado State, they were a program that really took it to the, to the next level. Mm -hmm. They didn't quite get to the NCAA tournament. No. They're one of the first teams out, though, and they got a good squad yet again for this year. Well, they have a really dynamic duo. Isaiah Stevens, he's going to be one of the best point guards in this conference. He averaged 15 points per game, four rebounds, and five and a half assists per game last year. Along with David Roddy, now he's the opposite kind of forward as, uh, as Nathan Mensah. He's a big body. He's going to he's gonna bully you all game, and uh, that, that got the San Diego State and Nathan Mensah uh, early in the, the the conference play last year. He averaged 16 points per game along with 9.5 rebounds per game. Definitely one of the best big men in this conference. They also have shooting guard Kendall Moore. Uh, he's only 5'10", but he can still score 10.5 points per game last year. Uh, Chandler Jacobs, D2 transfer, averaged 20 points per game. We'll see if Stevens can help him find some easy, easy scoring situations because uh, the defenses are obviously going to be better here in the Mountain West than they were in Division II college basketball, but uh, Colorado State, after just missing the NCAA tournament, uh, they didn't lose any anyone big from last year's team. So uh, I don't see any reason why they can't get any better. Ken Palm, not high on Colorado State. He is them 72nd in adjusted efficiency entering the season. Uh, that's third. Uh, it's behind the other team that we're going to talk about, uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. They're, they're good. But I think Colorado State is better than what Ken Palm is saying, and it's in large part because of Stevens and David Roddy. Yeah, and I definitely think those players are going to bring a, a big impact uh, to this teaming. Part of that I think could be affected. Colorado State, compared to some other teams, is a tad undersized. Yes. Um, I think we, we can't really get around that. Um, but it really does seem like, you know, some leagues are just better built for a bunch of guards. Uh, and, uh, you know, at least looking through the Mountain West, a bit more balanced than some other leagues that we've talked about. But. Three guards end up in, in all of the on-conference teams for, for Freeman Weave and the newcomers team, all guards. So you got a lot of guards to contend with in, 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 in a league like that. If you have a, a, a several good guards and you know really one really solid four, that will do you really well. And I think Colorado State, they have that. Nevada, speaking of them, I know ASU fans probably weren't too happy when Nevada took away A.J. Brava, the Robert Morris transfer uh, from them and, and, and over to Nevada, but what a great get for the Wolfpack. Oh, what a great get. I mean, th this team is going to be insane. I actually think this team uh, is going to be the biggest competitor for San Diego State at the top of the Mountain West. Uh, you're talking about Brahma, who averaged 21 points per game at Robert Morris, along with 10 rebounds per game, so... Not only are you getting a double-double guy, but you're getting a double-double guy that fills up the basket. So uh, Brahma's really good at six foot seven. Their dynamic duo in the backcourt is really, really good. Grant Sherfield, uh, he was a Washington, not Washington, Wichita State transfer. He averaged 18 and a half points per game last year to go along with six assists per game. He's super good. And Desmond Cambridge, he's kind of the guy that just like sits on the outside and waits for Sherfield to, to get guarded, and then he's wide open and he just knocks down threes. Six foot four, Richard Senior. 
16 points per game. And then Warren Washington, he was an Oregon State transfer. Uh, he averaged 10 points per game last year, along with six rebounds per game at seven feet tall. He's really good, and I also watched him put up uh, like 40 points against my high school in the uh, in the CIF semifinals. I, I know what he's capable of. Obviously, playing against Canyon Crest is a lot different than playing against teams in the Mountain West, but uh, Warren Washington's really good. I think Nevada's a tournament team. I, I really do, and I, I think Colorado State can also get there too, but the, the top three teams in this Mountain West are very, very good. Yeah, and, and all the returning production. I mean, it really does give you a sense of what you got going into. And, I mean, probably the best thing for Nevada is that they'll probably still have another crack at this thing after this year. Because, uh, I mean, you, I mean, Sheriff Fields, the junior, Trey Coleman's a sophomore. I think he will grow into a, a very solid player yeah. this season. Uh, Warren Washington, as you mentioned, Redshirt Jr. will probably have another, another year under his belt. I mean, this is definitely a team that they're good right now. And you just only, you can only imagine what this team's going to develop into should all the pieces stay. And I, I mean, I can only imagine that you're probably, as a San Diego State guy, very scared of what this Nevada Wolfpack team can bring. Oh, very. And they, they've had a lot of success as a program. The, the basketball fans up there love Nevada. Steve Alford, I mean, he's, he's a good head coach. He played at Indiana, coached for UCLA, coached in a Sweet 16 there for them. So Nevada's going to be really good this year. I, I'm more afraid of Nevada than I am of Colorado State. Yeah, but one more team I want to mention within the Mountain West within this hour, Boise State, another team that at a time we were thinking that they were going to get to the NCAA tournament kind of fell off the map, uh, but plenty of senior experience within this team, and perhaps they may try to have another go at perhaps trying to get up to the spot where they need to be. They try and secure an at-large spot. I think Boise State is madly overrated coming into this year. I, t I remember telling you that they were overrated last year, and they lost their best player, Derek Alston, who very tremendous player. But at times, he would just shut down, and he would be awful. And they don't have him anymore. Now, they still have Marcus Shaver, who averaged 10.5 points per game last year, and Abu Kabob, uh, who averaged 12 points per game along with 5.5 rebounds per game. So they have a good team. Uh, almost everyone on their starting five is returning 8 points per game or higher. So they're going to be good, but... Uh, I also think that there are a couple of other teams in this conference that can be better than them. I think UNLV with Bryce Hamilton is going to be good. And I also think Utah State's really going to be good as well, even though they did lose Craig Smith. Uh, I think they're going to be a good team. They still have some of the really good players that were recruited there. And Ryan Odom, head coach at UMBC, you know, you don't beat number one Virginia for no reason. He's a good coach. Yeah. And, uh, I think Odom's going to do good. He brought in RJ Edelrock and Brandon Horvath from UMBC, two guys who averaged. 13-plus points per game. So the, the Mountain West is going to be very good this year. Yeah. It was good last year. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Boise State before we go to break, a lot of seniors, so this this very well could be Boise State's last crack at it. Mm -hmm. They're not deep. And one injury could derail, could derail the whole year for Boise State if they want to try and get back up at the very least within the top four of the Mountain West and get themselves a, a somewhat viable path to a Mountain West Tournament Championship uh, in March. So definitely a team that... As, as probably you said, could be a, a bit tampered a little bit. Could be getting a, a little bit of smoke, just what, what they did last year. But, yeah, Mountain West, like you said, it's going to be very, very entertaining. Coming up next, the A-10. It's been a, a decade and a half since the last time the A-10's been a one-bit league. Could, could the league finally fall back into that mode in 2022? We'll find out our answer coming up next in the College Basketball Answer right here on Blaze Radio.
And welcome back to the College Bounce Bonanza right here on Blaze Video and BlazeVideoOnline.com. Nicholas Hodel, Diamond Exterior, as always, along Sunday Live in the Boston Radio Studio in downtown Phoenix. We have one more conference to cover today before our show any Bonanza rank of all these conferences. The A-10. And if there's one thing certain about the A-10 in the last decade and a half, it's that they've just found a way, whether it be through solid teams getting at-larges or bid stealers in the A-10 tournament, to find ways to get multiple bids to the NCAA tournament. This year, that path might be a little bit difficult, but there does seem to be one certainty, and that is St. Bonaventure is a really good team. Oh, yeah, they're great. I mean, they're returning their starting five, who all averaged double-digit points last year. Their best player, Osun Osunini, he averaged 10.5 points per game last year, along with uh, 9.5 rebounds per game. Three blocks per game. He's a, he's a two-way guy. He'll, he'll block shots. His wingspan, uh, I forget the number of it, but, I mean, it's a large wingspan. He's basically like a hawk out there, and he can also score, so that's really unfair to these other teams in the A-10 because he's really good. Uh, their guards, Kyle Lofton, 14.5 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists per game. Jaron Holmes, 14 points per game, 5 rebounds per game. Dominic Welsh, shout-out, uh, another Dom, 6'5", uh, senior, 11.5 points per game, 6 rebounds per game. And also, Jalen Attaway, uh, he's their forward, 6'5", redshirt senior, uh, 12 points per game, 6 rebounds per game. Not a whole lot of depth on this team, but their starting five is really good, and I think they're going to win the A-10 pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, it, it should be an, e an easy time for St. Bonaventure, easier than it has been in some years. Um, I don't know if it's comparable to what Dayton did a few years ago, but we could be getting up to those type of levels uh, within this team. Obviously, the guards... Very, very good. You mentioned their their blocking center. Very good. Last year, though, the, the bench usage for St. Bonaventure, the bottom of the country, 9.8% uh, bench minutes. And it wasn't even close. The next highest, the next lowest, I should say, VMI, 16% bench minutes. Yeah, yeah so this is, this is a team that last year just did not use the bench whatsoever. And so now, a couple of transfers that kind of perhaps solved that problem a little bit. Uh, Wake Forest transfer uh, Quadere Adams, transfer uh, Kareem Koulibaly. Uh, I think those two guys may be stepping into very big bench roles uh, because, I mean, again, St. Bonaventure, at least proven by last year's bench minutes, if one of these guys gets, gets injured, we could be talking about a little bit of trouble uh, for the St. Bonaventure team in that you got plenty of freshmen who will probably ride the pine for a little bit, a couple of two co-transfers who will probably be doing the same thing, so it's not a very, not a presumably deep rotation you're working with. You got to rely on your stars to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and you know they may lose a game or two unexpected just because it may not be as sustainable as what they think. Foul trouble. You yeah. You get into foul trouble, and all of a sudden you're you're in trouble uh, theoretically. But uh, we've seen teams do it before. You know they they get there. Syracuse is a program that comes to mind that only plays seven or eight guys consistently, and also Jim Beheim's a bad coach. I need to say that. Uh, anytime I can say that, but uh, St. Bonaventure, they're, they're going to run through this A-10 as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, and the rest of this conference, you know, at, at one point it was looking very promising preseason for St. Louis, uh, but a lot of those hopes dashed uh, on October 27th, four days ago, when it was announced that their star guard, Devontae Perkins, out for the year with a torn ACL. And so now, in my estimation, that means that Yuri Collins, if this St. Louis team is going to meet the expectations they had with Perkins, he may have to be a first-team always all A-10 guy. And I'm not sure if he's quite there. No, he only averaged five points per game, along with two rebounds and six assists per game last year. So he's a good point guard. He's not a scorer. 
And this team's not returning any scores from last year. Gibson Jimerson, he averaged eight points per game. He's their leading returning scorer. That's that's not a good sign. Uh, Francis Okoro, uh, he had to sit out last year. But at Oregon, he averaged three points per game. So he didn't really play that much. But it's Oregon, and he's stepping down. He's going to be playing a lot, along with Jordan Nesbitt, transfer from Memphis. He's a sophomore, and last year he only averaged one point per game. So not a lot of minutes there. There's just not a lot of experience here for the Billikens, which is unfortunate because anytime you can see the Billikens mascot in March is a cool thing. Yeah, that, and, that's... Uh, that's definitely elite. You know, losing Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French, their second and third best players last year, you're like, all right, Javante Perkins, potential A-10 player of the year. Now he's done. St. Louis is in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, and, and Yuri Collins, I mean, it's I mean, good teams that do their homework will try to make sure that he has to be a scorer. Now it doesn't matter. He has to score. I mean, he's a great defender. He can do a lot of things well passing. He can do a lot of things well defending. He now must become a scorer. And mm-hmm. that, if he doesn't become a scorer, that's it. I mean, there's not a whole lot else I can really say about that St. Louis squad other than that. Uh, one team that does bring back a lot of experience and a lot of players that, at least last year, produced well, Richmond. And we expected a lot out of Richmond last year. Their COVID passes really killed him, though. Yeah, but another thing that also killed him was Nick Sherrod. He didn't play at all, and he's going to be returning. He averaged 12.7 points per game in 2019-2020. He's now a redshirt senior, 6'4 guard, also averaged 5 rebounds per game. So very good player they're going to be getting get back that didn't play last year. But they're returning a lot of guys. Jacob Gilliard, uh, he's their point guard, 5'9", but he averaged 12 points per game, along with 5 assists per game and 3 rebounds per game, 3.6 deals per game. You gotta be careful. He will he will take the ball from you. It's you know, these guys, they aren't the most experienced point guards in the world. That's why they're playing in the A ten and they're not playing in these power conferences. So uh Gilliard will take the ball from you. Tyler Burton, twelve points per game. Nathan Cayo, twelve points per game. Grant Golden, twelve and a half points per game along with six rebounds per game. So they have the guys to be good again. I think Richmond easily has the best chance at being this team's second team in the NCAA tournament. Ken Palm agrees. He has them twenty points higher in terms of adjusted uh, efficiency than uh, the next closest team, which is Dayton. But he has them 34 spots behind St. Bonaventure, 64 to 30. So uh, Richmond, they're going to have to step up. I, I think they will. I, I do think they're yeah. a tournament team. And, I, and and Richmond, they've also scheduled well to give themselves a chance from the resume standpoint. Uh, November 12th against Utah State. Uh, November 20th at Drake. Uh, and, then you have, uh, and then you have a game against Maryland for, for the uh, Bahamar Who's Bahamas Championship and that's Louisville, Mississippi State. December 5th at Northern Iowa. NC State, December 17th. There are plenty of games on this schedule that Richmond will probably have a good chance to win that will give themselves good wins against Power College opponents. They need those. Mm-hmm. If they can't get those, their outlaws chance to me diminish instantly. Right. And every single one of their losses except for one in conference where... Two score losses. They lost to the Bonnies, who won the conference by three. They lost to LaSalle, who was not a good team, by six. Uh, their one loss to VCU uh, was a bad loss. And then St. Louis by five, St. Joe's by three, and then Duquesne by five. So they were losing close games last year. Kind of means they got a little unlucky, and like you mentioned with the COVID pauses, that also was not good for them. So I, I do think Richmond's going to be a good team this year. Yeah. And, and it's just, you got to avoid the landmines in the A-10, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the landmines in the A-10 are not, are, they, they're bad. And, and uh, you have to avoid losing against those type of teams if you want a chance at getting that at-large spot. 
Coming up next in the college basketball bonanza, you've heard all our takes on the America, the West Coast Conference, the Mountain West, and the A-10, but in comparison to each other, how likely is it that these conferences will get multiple bids in the NCAA tournament? You'll hear from us next on the college basketball bonanza right here on Blaze Radio. Welcome back to the College Basketball Answer right here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. Nicholas Hodel alongside Dominic Stern live in the Boston Radio Studio in downtown Phoenix. we got about six, seven minutes left in the program, and we've gone through four conferences today. The American, the West Coast Conference, the Mountain West, and the A-10. All our conferences, they can get multiple bids and earn some of a nice little chunk of NCAA tournament unit money and revenue. Uh, but these four conferences... They, again, they're already near majors, so you're not going to get a lot of uh, bids for them, but typically multiple bid leaks. So, the likelihood of multiple bids for these conferences, that is the state of our Bonanza rank today. We'll be ranking all four of these conferences by their likelihood of multi-bid league statuses in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Let's start from the bottom of number four for you. It's the league we just talked about. It's going to be the A-10. We said that we, all, we both agreed St. Bonaventure is going to win this conference. We think it's going to be fairly easy for them, and they're going to be in this tournament heading into March. Like They're not going to have to win the conference tournament. They should be an at-large team unless they do like win the tournament. But I also think that when you look at it, there's really only one other team in my eyes that can make this tournament as an at-large team if they don't win, and that is Richmond. And there obviously are some questions because Sherrod – He's not coming back healthy. This team, they struggled last year in some close games. So are they going to be able to win those games this year? I, I think the answer is yes. I think Richmond does make the tournament. But when you look at these other conferences, there are other teams that I could see going in. So if Richmond or even if St. Bonaventure really slips up, uh, this, it could be a one-league, uh, one-bid league. But yeah. I, I do think the A-10 will get two, but it's definitely the least likely. Yeah, it's also the least likely for me as well. I honestly think that unless there's a bid during the A-10 tournament, there's too many landmines in this conference. Too few candidates for the second bid. 15, 16 years of getting multiple bids in the NCAA tournament. It's over. I actually okay. think it is over. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's a and that's a dark day, quite frankly, when that happens because the A10 consistently multiple bids. Don't think it's going to happen this year. Number three. Number three. It's going to be the Mountain West, just because I think there's only three teams that are uh, that are tournament caliber, and two of them missed the tournament last year. So when you look at that. Uh, I don't think Utah State's going to make the tournament this year. Uh, lost some really key players, also lost their head coach in Craig Smith. Although I do think they'll be a good team, they're not going to make the tournament. I think San Diego State's going to get there. I think Nevada's going to get there, and Colorado State definitely can get there. They were the preseason fav- uh, favorites in terms of the 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 poll, but I don't I don't agree with that. But I do think that this uh, this league will get multiple bids. I'm fairly confident. It's whether or not they can get three bids. And I'm pretty confident the West Coast Conference actually is going to get three bids. So that's why I have them higher. Yeah, Mountain West for me is also number three. Again, it's the same scenario with the A-10. Too many landmines uh, for those bubble teams they have to avoid. Mm-hmm. I do think Mountain West will get, will get multiple bids, though. I think three bids will probably be on the card for the Mountain West if everything plays correctly within that conference this year. Uh, I think you mentioned it just earlier, but just make it official, you're number two. Yeah, number two is going to be the West Coast Conference because I think – Memphis and Houston, barring injuries, are locks for the NCAA tournament. And that's not something I could say about the Mountain West or the A-10. So they're surely going to get there. It's not like the West Coast Conference or or the American Conference uh, where they're going to get there. But uh, I think the West Coast Conference has those teams. Gonzaga, they're probably going to be a number one overall seed, uh, barring injuries. Uh, But I I think that when you look at it, Gonzaga and BYU, they're going to make it. And then it's whether or not San Francisco, 
and uh, those other teams can uh, can get in. St. Mary's, uh, Loyola Marymount, who we didn't really talk about. Coach Stan Johnson's got a good squad this year. Uh, three players returning with double-digit points, and their other two starters are also very good players. So uh, I, I think that the West Coast Conference – they're going to get multiple bids, but uh, the Americans number one. Yeah, the West Coast Conference bid is also number two. Two bids, the West Coast Conference is a certainty. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga, duh. They're not going to fall thick into the landmines of this conference. No. BYU, I don't think they're going to do it either. I think we, I think we have a clear number one and a clear number two. Whatever happens with St. Mary's, San Francisco, and Loyola Marymount, a team we didn't talk too much about in this hour, but they are also looking like they got one of their best teams since the Hank Gathers era. Mm-hmm. That whatever happens to those three teams, if they don't fulfill them to the landmines, they got a shot. I mean, I haven't looked at their non-conference schedules too much, uh, but they are going to have to find a way to get one or two quality wins non-con and have them stay there. But there's a good chance that this conference gets three bids. And that is an accomplishment for the West Coast Conference because it just proves it's not just back in Zaga. No. The rest of the conference is also very solid. And very deserving of a status of being a near major. Um, we both have the American number one. You mentioned a little bit earlier of Houston and Memphis. Um, and, and again, Houston and Memphis near locks. Do you want to talk a little bit about what they got below that? I mean, you have Wichita State, which I think could be a tournament team. They're returning a lot of their players, uh, especially Tyson Etienne, who's going to be one of the best players in this conference. But outside of that, there, there's not a whole lot. Also, SMU is Kendrick Davis. You know, you have two of the best players in this conference, not on the two teams that we know are going to make the NCAA tournament. So I think when you have that, you also have a ton of potential there. But these two teams, uh, in terms of uh, Memphis and Houston, I, I would take them definitely over those the, that two duo making the tournament. Yeah, I don't think the American has too much longer to beat in this scenario, uh, no. but you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a conference that should be getting um, – Minimum two, and they'll probably end up getting more than that. I mean, this is a conference over the course of its history since 2014 when schools broke away from the Big East, changed their name and stuff like that. More often than not, I mean, this conference has has had four bids, just as often as it's had two bids. Uh, So they they are very well known for for getting three teams into a very solid situation. I think we'll find the same thing. I mean, one of... Wichita State, SMU, Cincinnati, who's got a head coach that players can actually play for again after the disastrous situation within that program earlier. I think the American is putting themselves in a very comfortable position to be a multi-bit league once again. So that'll wrap it up for us here in the College Basketball Games. And next week, we get to talk about actual games, which is going to be very, very exciting indeed. But until that time comes, for Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Odell. Thank you so much for tuning in to us here on Blaze Radio Live and through your podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts. And as a reminder, got plenty of other Power Conference previews you can listen to as well. Just pop in every episode of your playlist and you're on your way. For right now, though, for this listening live on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com, for sticking with us for the hour, we got a big reward for you. And that's one shining moment here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. Have a great week, everyone.